Welcome to the Homeschool Loftcast, a podcast presented by the Homeschool Loft in De Pere, Wisconsin. Our goal at the Loft is to encourage parents who educate their children at home and let them know that they are both called to and empowered for the task of home-based education. At the Loft itself, we offer one-on-one consultations, book clubs and discussion groups, workshops and seminars, and a curriculum viewing library. Through the Loftcast, we extend our reach to encourage and bless homeschooling parents everywhere. And today we welcome Leah LeMaster Horton to the show. Leah helps students win full tuition scholarships. She's a proven track record of raising scores significantly by pointing out the skill being tested on each and every question. Students gain confidence in themselves and become prepared test takers, ready to conquer the ACT, CLT, and SAT exams. Leah homeschooled for 18 years and her three children won full tuition and merit-based private scholarships valued at over $316,000. Since then, she's helped countless others to do the same. She's currently a third-year M.Ed. student getting her Master's of Education from Covenant College. For the past seven years, she has been the owner of Horton Test Prep, which we will link in our notes. Her passion is to help students understand the difference between a fixed mindset of I could never learn that to the truth of the growth mindset that they can learn anything. Welcome, Leah. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, Leah, first, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background growing up, educational background in your family. Okay. I was born in Atlanta, Georgia, and I um, kind of went back and forth from Ohio to Atlanta, Ohio to Atlanta, because my father worked for NCR. Um, At the time, their world headquarters was located in Dayton, Ohio. So I kind of feel like I'm both native from Atlanta (laughs) as well as Dayton. Um, Ended up going to Eastern Kentucky University for college. And right out of college, I worked in an ad agency and client services, then straight into marketing as a marketing manager. And then I found my groove in Mm -hmm. sales um, in Atlanta at um, a medical records, in-health medical records supply place. Hmm. So um, fast forward, I, um, because it's many years ago, (laughs) uh, met and uh, married my best friend, John. Um, We have three children and God called me to homeschool and I um, just blinked and it was over. So 18 Mm. years went by, we were highly involved in NCFCA, which is the National Christian Forensic Communication Association, um, homeschool speech and debate. So that um, we were involved in that for 12 12 of the 18 years. So um, speech and debate was just a huge part of our homeschooling journey. Mm-hmm. I can relate. And I think Jenny can as well, because my yeah. kids are 20 and 21 and hers are 19 and 21. And, you know, when, when our kids are little, right, we always think it'll be so long and then they're gone. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. My baby is a sophomore at Gordon college up in Boston. Oh, wow. Okay. What about your older kids then? Sure. My oldest is, um, her name is Sierra and she is a writer and she runs her own consulting firm and she lives in St. Louis. Um, her husband is a residency in urgent care. Um, and I have a grandson named Foster. He is one and a half. Uh, he calls me Mimi. And let's see. Um, my middle daughter is Haley is an astrophysicist at Dynetics in Huntsville, Alabama. Oh. <laughs> I'm not getting a friend for sophomore. 
Wow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> what was your motivation in starting your the Horton test prep? Well, I I started hosting um when my oldest was in like eighth, ninth grade, I think we started the test prep journey. I kind of got a memo from a homeschool mom who said, Wow, I just spent so much time pouring over curriculum and trying to choose the right curriculum. I, I wish mm-hmm. I would have spent a little bit more time on test prep. She didn't realize the importance of the scores. And so I heard that when my oldest was in eighth grade. And so that's why I hosted a workshop and a lady came in and taught a two day boot camp in Orlando, Florida. And I remember sitting there and hearing the, the ideas that were presented that this test is really just a logic-based test. And, um, and I, there was a lot of tips and tricks and strategies that were given, Mm -hmm. but I really thought to myself, this is good, but I can (laughs) do so much better. Mine would be way harder. Um, but I, I really think that tips and strategies only get you so far and you really need to know the math facts. Um, you really need to know the English grammar skills. And um, as far as the reading comprehension section, I think that that should be renamed because reading comprehension implies to the students that they need to read every word and comprehend every word they read. Mm-hmm. And that's just not true. It yeah. should be renamed the, how do I skim this passage and back to get to the correct answer as fast as possible? Because that is always the goal, get to the correct answer as fast as possible. So I actually got into the business. Um, God used that way for me to sit there and go, Oh, I could do this. Mm. And so through, through helping my own three children who, when we first started, even though they were straight A students and um, I was a classical educator, so they were well-read. We'd read the classics. I started teaching Latin when they were in third grade, they all had had anywhere between seven and nine years of Latin. So they were strong on their English grammar skills mm-hmm. because the Latin grammar language helps is, is so much more organized than English <laughs> grammar. It's just a reflection of the culture of the people at the time. They were very yeah. rigid with their, their, you know, their culture and their yeah. language reflected that. So even though they were solid <laughs> on their um, writing and language skills and they were straight A students in math class and we went through calculus in high school, I still found that when we were starting that test prep journey that they were scoring at national average or below. Hmm. And I was quite by that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, it took a while. It took quite some time for me to yeah. really understand why. And, and the main reason why is the fact that there's a big difference in a math class um, and these college interest exams, which are all out of context. So mm-hmm. let me just give an example. Say, say yeah. a student is in algebra two Mm-hmm. And they've been on chapter nine for three weeks. If they've done their homework, they've read the chapter, they, those skills and concepts are going to be fresh in their mind. Right. So they are more likely to do well on test day when they do their brain dump because those concepts <laughs> are, um, are fresh. Yeah. Whereas these college entrance exams test such a wide variety of skills Mm-hmm. That I say is truly kindergarten through 12th grade because of the fact that I'm just using math as an example, but mm-hmm. 
the um, you know, K through eighth grade is when the fundamentals of arithmetic are taught. Right. But 40% of these exams are arithmetic. Huh. So I'm going to say something that I know you're not going to believe. <laughs> <laughs> I'll <But> believe it. <laughs> students at first are struggling more with the arithmetic concepts than yeah. they are the algebra two concepts. Oh yeah. And they'll say things to me like Mrs. Horton, I, I never learned mode mm-hmm. or I, I never learned box plots. Mm-hmm. Well, more than likely, it's not a gap in their education. It's the fact that they just forgot that when it comes to box plots, the vertical line is the median. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that students need a lot more review. Than they are uh, typically offering. <laughs> and I'm sorry, do not, do not disturb. But they need, uh, much more review than they're currently getting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to score higher. Sure. And to those, those skills that they would have learned when they were younger. So um, let's backtrack a little bit because maybe not all of our listeners are aware of the fact that there are actually three national uh, standardized tests that we're talking about. So there's the ACT, the SAT, those are the ones they may have heard about. And then there's the newer CLT um, and which I know that you work with as well. Can you kind of give an overview of what those are and maybe some of the similarities and differences? And I don't know if we can get into it, but sometimes people are like, which one should my kid take if they need to take any of them? (laughs) Right, right, right. Okay. Great question. And um, the answer to whether they need it or not, we can jump to next because, um, but as far as the ACT and the SAT and the CLT, which is a new exam that just started in 2015, Mm -hmm. I would say that the ACT, because it covers, it has more sections, right? It has both the um, reading comprehension, right? The Mm -hmm. writing and language, which is the English grammar and concise writing section as well as the math and the science. So, and the science with the ACT is not your base high school science subjects of biology, physics, and chemistry. Hmm. It's um, actually many times asking a student to extrapolate out potential meaning to this scientific graph. So I, I think that as an educator, I really believe it's important to test students on concepts they've been taught. And I'm not sure that that skill is necessarily um, communicated as clearly as it should. Um, And so again, I teach all the tests, but um, depending on what people want, and a lot of times I'll say, you know, take one or the other and see which one you like the best or which one you're currently scoring higher on. At the end of the day, you're gonna want that student to work, do the test prep on whichever one they're willing to prep for. (laughs) Um, If if a family doesn't necessarily know where to begin or where to start, Mm -hmm. I do normally guide them to the SAT exam, Mm -hmm. mainly because of the fact that the math is the hardest part. They're testing about the same concepts, skill for skills. However, the SAT exam offers 29% more time Hmm. And that is where and students need that time. So with the ACT, it's 60 math problems and it's 60 seconds per problem. Wow. With the SAT in its current state, and of course it's going online um, in 
spring of 2024, but in its current state, talking about it now in the paper version, the it has two math sections. So section three, which is the no calculator section, they mm-hmm. offer 75 seconds per problem. So again, just 15 seconds more. Wow. However, section four, that's where the kicker is. Mm-hmm. Section four offers 87 seconds per math problem. That is 27 seconds more per problem than the ACT. And you might be thinking, oh, that's only 27 seconds, but it accumulates. And it really, really really does help the students by being able to have that extra time. Hmm. There are strategies that can help in test taking um, skills that I think that students need to learn. And a lot of it is that they don't need to read a lot of the words, right? They just go to the question and read just the question at the very bottom. And sometimes you will need a back read. Sometimes you won't, depending on the context. But many, many times students can get to the correct answer without reading that little paragraph above. I think this is probably the biggest fear that we hear, especially at the homeschool left with all the parents we talk to. Um, even if they're just beginning their homeschool journey, even if their child's three, right? <laughs> they'll say, I don't know, what about college? And so should homeschoolers fear this? Should they fear? Oh, absolutely not. There, yeah. there, there is a process. There is there is a way for them to conquer this. And, and before I move on to too far. The CLT exam. Oh, yes. Really, um, the classic learning test has better reading passages, (laughs) better quality reading material. Mm -hmm. But they also, because they wanted to be able to have um, score matchups, there are enough similarities between the ACT, SAT, and CLT, right? So they do have that reading comprehension with better quality reading material <laughs> and um, and the math concepts. I, I did see they have brought back the analogies. That's something we had on the old SAT okay. tests and then the writing and language. So I think there's a lot more similarities with the math and the writing and language than the reading comprehension. Yeah. Um, the only thing just to be aware of is that the CLT exam is mainly accepted in uh, more private colleges yeah. that are the liberal arts schools. So my suggestion would be look into what college your student is wanting to attend and find mm-hmm. out what exam. Yeah. Most of them take both the ACT and SAT. Mm-hmm. There are um, a smaller few that take all three. For example, my husband is the director of marketing at Covenant College, which is a small private Christian school on Lookout Mountain. <laughs> and they um, accept all three exams. So they are <laughs> an example of a private Christian school, liberal arts school that does accept all three. Yeah. Exams. And I was going to tell everybody our, to our listeners as well as we did. Um, we have an interview with Jeremy Tate. And so you can go back. Oh, yeah. Kind of scan through. I have no idea what number it is, but <laughs> if you want to listen to that, you should go back and listen to her. Yeah. Great conversation with Jeremy. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So and, parents should not fear. Students should, should not, not fear. They should not fear it. I just would start early. Um, I have that question of when should um, students start? Yep, that was my next question for you. (laughs) The answer, in my personal opinion, is there's a sweet spot to start January of 10th grade. So if a student starts in January of 10th grade, they have a 10-month window to be prepared for the October 
PSAT their junior year, right? That 10 month window gives them plenty of time to hit it hard um, and prepare. And I do typically recommend, you know, prep for the SAT, which means you are prepping for the PSAT because of the fact that the PSAT is not any easier. It's just shorter Mm -hmm. because these exams in their current state are quite long quite lengthy. Um, The SAT normally takes between four and four and a half hours to complete. I believe that that is a mental marathon. And Uh just just like athletes need to train their muscles to run a marathon, I believe that students need to train their brain muscle to be actively engaged for a test for that long amount of time. Mm -hmm. And so when a student is prepping for the SAT, again, they are prepping for the PSAT as far as skills go. Mm -hmm. And if they can score their highest, that October of their junior year is when they could be in the running for the National Merit Scholarship, Mm -hmm. because it only counts their junior year when they take that exam. Other benefit of having a student's highest scores ever um, that fall. Well, number one, if they do score high on the PSAT and become a national merit semifinalist, right? Before they move into the finalist role, Mm -hmm. they would have to turn in confirmation scores on a real SAT. And they do that so that it's not a fluke, just that Mm -hmm. one time thing. So that way I recommend just telling students in advance um, that they're going to take both exams that October. I know it's like a test full month, but right. they'll be uh, primed and ready. They will be prepped and ready for both exams. Hmm. The reason it's beneficial to have their highest score ever that fall, right? Mm-hmm. Is there's some amazing scholarships out there that are for high school juniors only. And the example is the President Coolidge Scholarship. Mm-hmm. So the President Coolidge Scholarship, and I know a lot about scholarships. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll get to that too. <laughs> um, the President Coolidge is my favorite because of the fact that it is a full tuition scholarship for all four years and includes room and board, which is a hard cost. Wow. So wow. I never see that to any college that the student chooses. Wow. Princeton, and it's 85000 a year, right? And, yeah. But if But if they win, it's a full tuition. So I will admit there are only two winners per year of that amazing Uh, project. Wow. Recommend going for it anyway. Uh The process of preparing for to apply for the President Coolidge Scholarship is so beneficial. Just the process Mm -hmm. because it helps students realize, oh, I need to get my high scores, right? So it gives them motivated for test prep. Right. They need to have their student resume ready, which They'll need for other items like mm-hmm. merit-based scholarships. They need their letters of recommendation ready, which I recommend as homeschoolers to ask for five. Mm-hmm. No, you're going to use two. And I don't accept blind letters. Mm-hmm. So ask um, somebody to, this is just my personal opinion. If you ask somebody, but it, it worked for me. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I knew letters were being sent about my children. (laughs) The reason I say ask for five is because the people that you think are going to write stellar letters of recommendation for your children, they either put it off to the last minute and they whip out a good letter that could describe anybody. Mm -hmm. They're not a good writer. Right. You think it was just going to be, you know, that they 
think highly of yours, yeah. <laughs> but it just doesn't come across on paper. And I'll be honest with you. It takes stellar letters of recommendation to win those scholarships. Mm. And so that's why I don't accept, or I didn't accept blind letters. And what a blind letter is, is if you ask a recommender, a teacher, um, somebody who works for Boy Scouts or, you know, your youth pastor, and they respond, yes, yes. I will write a letter of recommendation, but I only do b- blind simply means I'm not going to let you look at it. You're not allowed yeah. to see it. Uh, so you have no idea. Right. So you don't know what's being said. So right. I, I say, oh, thank you. But no, thank you. I'm not looking for a blind. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's so, good advice. I, I believe that um, if somebody's going to take their time and they're going to write this amazing letter about your child, they're going to want you to see it. They're going to want you to see all the time and effort they put in to writing this amazing letter. Um, and, and for you to know it and appreciate it and to have it. So just to be really clear, the recommender is always the one who turns in the letter right. to, to college or to a scholarship. Yeah. What I'm saying is that you would just be able to see the letter in advance. Right. The other important thing is to always ask. So once you ask for five, you get two um, that you think are stellar that you will be using on an ongoing basis. It's very important to ask for permission from that recommender and say, hey, I really need to be applying for a lot of uh, merit-based scholarships um, and different colleges to to make this come true. Is it okay for me to, um, for you to upload that same letter just over and over again for whatever scholarships I apply to? Yeah. Get that confirmation that it's okay and they're done. And then I always communicate to the students that I work with, don't be shy. (laughs) Oh, I don't want to bother them. So I'm not going to apply for that scholarship. No, they want to help you. I just wrote a letter of recommendation for a student that I um, taught speech and debate to for a, a long time. And I've had, and I'm also a Latin teacher. So I've had students in the past ask me to write letters of recommendation. And this pr- particular student who was in my speech and debate class. I spent a lot of time. I thought he was a stellar student and, mm-hmm. and so I, you know, went out of my way to write it. And I really was excited to share it with him. <laughs> and, um, and he just applied for a scholarship through the National Society of High School Scholars um, and just won $2,500. So it works. Wow. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and like you said, you know, if you take all that time, it's not going to be a burden for you to say, yes, I can upload it 20 times. Yeah. I mean, because that's easy, right? Absolutely. That's why I always encourage the students don't be hesitant, right? Apply for as many scholarships as you can and whatever colleges you want to apply for because it's to their pleasure. They want to help you succeed. They want college to be, you know, not a financial burden for your family. And so it does take applying to a lot of scholarships. You won't win every single one you apply for, but the more you apply, the more often you will win. (laughs) Tell us about your kids. How are your kids? Yeah. An example in this, this way. Okay. Well, my oldest daughter, well, actually both of my daughters competed in the distinguished young women scholarship. That is the um, largest in uh, scholarship for young females um, in 12th grade. So their senior year, they give away millions and millions of dollars every year. So it's been around for a long, long time. And I know a lot about the organization. I I actually served on the board in central Florida for quite some time. Again, it's called distinguished young women scholarship. 
But my oldest daughter went through the program and she won for Florida. She was the distinguished young woman of Florida 2013 mm-hmm. and then went on to nationals. So she ended up winning over $21,000 through that organization, um, as well as my middle daughter competed in that um, scholarship as well. And I believe she won around $3,000. Through them. And mm-hmm. both of the girls were Disney scholars as well. So there are a lot of scholarships that are connected. And at the time, my husband worked for the Walt Disney Company. Yeah. So <laughs> that particular scholarship was because um, they were children of an employee or a cast member. Sure. Um, well, and that's the thing, because there's so many out there, but parents have to figure out which ones mm-hmm. they can apply to. How, how do people go about figuring that out? You know, I am a huge, huge fan of the National Society of High School Scholars, and it's kind of gotten a bad rap (laughs) through the homeschoolers. They oh, that's such a scam. And they say it's a scam because it costs $75 to join. Mm. But I know firsthand that it's not a scam. And I'm actually in the process of becoming affiliated with them to attend their Scholars Day. But I know a lot about this organization. Mm -hmm. So because... Homeschoolers are not allowed to be members of the National Honor Society, which is a more well-known honor society because of the fact that the homeschool parent um, administers the grades. Mm -hmm. I think it is important to have a type of honor society on a student resume, which is just a line item. It's just an accolade that says, oh, look at me. I'm a good student. Right. Right. This organization, the National Society of High School Scholars. Wow, that's a mouthful. (laughs) They are a members only forum. And so it does cost $75 to join. However, I know for sure it's legit because two of my children won $1,000 through them and the money went directly to their school. So my oldest went to Wheaton. So $1,000 went directly to Wheaton, which is a private Christian school in the Chicago area. And then my middle daughter, um, Haley, um, that thousand dollars went directly to covenant. Okay. So that's good to know because yeah, if, if parents are hearing it's not legit, but yeah, but here they, they hear our podcast and you can attest to that. That's yes. great. You know, and they also have events. Mm-hmm. So not only are they a members only forum, which just to be clear, if you go on, if they, if your children end up joining it, they often their website somewhere, it mentions the number of members mm-hmm. and it's like, I don't know, 200,000 members, <laughs> but I want to, you're a member for life. Like, so my children, although out of high school are still members, they're not members that are competing for those scholarships. Uh, you know I mean? It's a smaller pool than you think. Um, yeah. Still, I'm sure thousands and thousands of students, but not in the hundreds of thousands. So it's they offer such a wide variety of scholarships. They have athletic scholarships, debate scholarships, theater scholarships. There's such a wide variety that I that's why I recommend um, joining this organization because of the fact that it not only is a line item on your student resume, but because it does help students find specific scholarships that only members can apply to. Because if you apply to scholarships a lot of time on just scholarships.com, you never hear back and you're just feel like you're applying and you're writing these essays and just sending out into the world. Right. 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 But it's Mm -hmm. I I know a lot more people that have won scholarships Mm -hmm. through the National Society of High School Scholars. So it's it's just a great forum. And Mm -hmm. it does also require that student resume Mm -hmm. that helps um, 
set students apart from others. So it's wise for students before January of their junior year to be organized. That's why that process of applying for the President Coolidge scholarship is so important. And even though there's only two winners that win the full tuition scholarship, they do have the 100 senators, um, Coolidge senators that win a trip to Washington, D.C. and a lot of other accolades and smaller merit based scholarships. Mm-hmm. So it's worth the time and effort to yeah. that, but mainly for that process of getting that student resume ready. Right. So that. So what what is part of a student resume? Oh, a lot of different. <laughs> so they're just their um, their work experience. Yep. Awards, their community service and volunteer hours, especially if they've initiated something that they started an entrepreneur club, they started a robotics club. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially a little profile that's going to describe them and only them. Hmm. Not something generic like a hardworking high school. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, what, what is different about them? What sets them apart from others? Because at the end of the day, yeah. during the college application process, that's their goal is to be set apart from others. Right. So, that's- so is the resume um, like information that they and the, the, the students and the parents like create together so that when they're filling out applications, they've already got the information in front of them. They don't have to think about it every time. Yes, but it's not just for their benefit. Yeah. Even when a college doesn't ask for the student resume, I would send it anyway. Okay. Because it sets you apart. It looks yep. professional, right? Yeah. And so it's, yes, it's an organized way for you to be reminded of your own, oh, that year we did this, that year we did robotics, right? And I don't really recommend being a well-rounded student. I recommend being a pointy student. <laughs> what that means is instead of one year of chess, one year robotics, one year oh. soccer, one year speech and debate, right? That's well-rounded, did a lot of things. Right. Being a pointy student means I was involved in this for a length of time. Yeah. I played varsity soccer ninth through 12th grade. Sure. I was involved in speech and debate for six years and turned around and became a servant leader and led the club junior and senior year and was the teacher. Like it's, right. it's being able to communicate your narrative, your high school story on one page, yeah. sometimes, sometimes two. But yeah. I do know for sure that the President Coolidge student resume requirement is just a one page thing. Okay. There are some wonderful templates on Canva. So if you have a Canva is a graphic design site that's completely free Uh and they um, have some really nice looking student resume templates that help the student resumes look um, professional. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, no, that, that makes sense. So, um, but so pointy in one regard, but also well-rounded in the sense that kids should have volunteer work experience as well as the academics, right? So you don't mean pointy and only doing academics and nothing else, right? Absolutely. They should yeah. definitely be involved in other things outside of their academics. Right. Um, and, and something that they're passionate about, something yeah. they are really interested in, and then they go far with yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know we came mentioned it briefly earlier about, you know, why, or is, is it still needed these test scores? Mm -hmm. Um, I want to come back around to that because it's so important that the, there are a lot of schools that are test optional for admittance, right? Yet They require those test scores 
to be invited to scholarship weekend. So for example, and I'm just using Covenant College as an example, and I just recently found this out, they are test optional again mm-hmm. this incoming year. However, this past year, they and this coming year, they required that SAT of the 1320 and also whatever comparative scores for ACT and CLT to be invited to scholarship weekend. If a student was invited to scholarship weekend, then they could apply for the 14 full tuition scholarships that they give away every year, mm-hmm. as well as the best financial aid packages. So in other words, if you're considering a private school, especially a private Christian school, uh, those scores are still needed, even though they say that they're optional for admittance. Most people, if they're going to be able to afford, at least my family, to be able to afford (laughs) a private um, Christian school needed to be able to have, you know, those merit-based scholarships and potential full tuition scholarships. Yeah, because the cost of college is astronomical and I would say immoral, but it is what it is, right? (laughs) Surely. Right, right. And so um, our goal, because we were living in Florida and in Florida, we had the Bright Futures Scholarship. So if you reach a certain test score, then if you also have good grades and volunteer hours, then you can receive a full tuition scholarship Mm. to 39 different colleges and universities in the state of Florida. So it's a pretty pretty nice deal. But once, um, once we had, you know, free college in Florida in our back pocket, they were like, okay, now what? Right. Well, all three of my children ended up choosing to go private Christian Mm -hmm. and we were, would only have been able to make that happen with getting those merit-based scholarships. So Mm -hmm. my um, son is on a full tuition scholarship at uh, Gordon college, which is 30 minutes north of of Boston. And I use them as an example too. Um, of their scholarship weekend, because I want to be really clear, the test scores only help you get invited to scholarship weekend. Hmm. Once there, it's, a, you know, they, it's a clear slate and all the scholars are going to be evaluated differently. Right. And I believe that it is the speech and debate skills that my children learned and their ability to communicate well, um, that really helped them. So my son's, um, Scholarship interview was a 30 minute one-on-one interview up in Boston. That's a long interview. And they're 10 to 15 minutes long. Mm -hmm. But usually they're also, most honors programs are a type of a leadership program. Mm. Most of them are. So they're wanting students that show leadership past, present, and future. And what that means is, does their student resume, does their high school past show leadership experience? Mm-hmm. Did that student, you know, look for opportunities to lead, whether youth group or whatever they were involved in, student right. council, team pack, right? Were they a leader in the past? And then leader um, uh, present means during the interview, are they just passively being interviewed? Mm-hmm. Or are they actually leading during the interview by making sure that that college is a right fit for them? Mm-hmm. Are, there, are there internships that I could be involved in, in my field of study in psychology? Like, are the, you know, are there opportunities to get to know the professors one-on-one? Mm-hmm. You know, is it okay to go out to dinner with a professor? Do they encourage that? Is there, <laughs> you know, so when the student is leading during the interview, right? Yeah. And then other, um, sometimes they also uh, do what's called a fishbowl um, 
interview where they put a bunch of the scholars in a room and they watch them. Are they going to go get a Coke and sit down with the other teenagers and just hang out? Or mm. are they engaging the professors in conversation and meeting all of them and working the room? Mm. Right. They, they look for that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I would say for sure, um, we have a boy who, so my, my kids were classically educated as well. And I taught at a classical school. And so it really is this thing of um, laying the foundation of confidence is really what it comes down to. And I think that, um, so for, for my son, Noah, he was always a history kid all the time. Well, he took it upon himself to start a history podcast when he was 16 years old, had the confidence to do it. You were talking about asking questions and that really is confidence, right? A lot of people are scared to hear the answer. No. (laughs) And so they don't ask the questions and Noah, there he was sitting in his room and he contacted Oxford university called to ask the professors (laughs) if they would love to be on his Vikings podcast, Vikings, you know, Viking study. And, and they were enamored because here's a 16 year old student who just just called and said, hi, I'm Noah and this is what I'm doing. <laughs> and um, so the rest is history. His podcast was getting 10,000 downloads in a week. Oh, and he, he's written books. He's written for the History Channel. He's done all of these things. And it really comes down. I mean, to put it into basic terms, just for even our listeners, it's really confidence right. laying that foundation. Right. And, and helping them, like you said, with the speech and the debate. Yeah. I mean, that is a huge thing to be able to communicate because at the end of the day, it's about the human being and how they can present. Right. Would you say that? Yes, absolutely. And I'm a big believer that with experience comes confidence. So when you first start something, you're not going to be confident at it. (laughs) So you need to know in advance. And I've seen this over and over again with these young debaters that come in and they're 12 years old. They don't know what they're doing and they're very scared um, and they they're not confident at all. Right. And they they're nervous, but they watch the older debaters and they're like, I want to learn how to do that. So yes. they don't stop. They keep trying. They keep trying. They keep trying. They learn how to write their debate cases. Yeah. They learn how to write their briefs. They learn to piranha pack their cases to make sure there's no weak links. And with experience comes confidence. They have to give themselves time to develop that experience so that they know what they're doing. Yeah. So it's really true too, because when my husband had bought him the podcast stuff, it really sat in our basement for a while. (laughs) And, um, and he was, you know, my husband was saying, when you're ready, you're going to start it, you're going to do it. And it wasn't just snap your fingers one minute, he's 16. And then the next he's writing for the history channel. He literally (laughs) fell a hundred times. But the thing of it is, is to get back up, right. Mm -hmm. Every single time to get back up. Discipline. Yeah, it is. It's discipline. It's knowing that. And we, those of us, Tina, who have studied Latin. Oh, I have we know not, this discipline. But, oh, well, we well, I, know. I have a very good vocabulary. I just informally studied Latin. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what really taught me discipline. My sure. the classical education to me was really the thing that showed me, hey, you just don't know the grammar of a subject. It's not mm-hmm. that you don't know. Right. You have to see it all the way through. But uh, so many parents you know, talking about the college thing, it's like reeling it all back in. It's really figuring out what that child, like you said, Leah, is passionate about. Yeah. Rather than just sitting and, you know, answering questions because they have to, because they have to go to college because their parents wanted them to go. Mm -hmm. Right. It's really having that desire, that passion to do that. 
yeah. you know, love of learning. Right. Right. For sure. What, so um, when you and I were talking, Leah, you mentioned passion projects. And so Jenny's talking about passions and we, can we talk about that a little bit in case we haven't touched on it through the Absolutely. other questions? I think a passion project is something that students can use to set themselves apart from others. Right. And learn about themselves. So depending on what it is they're passionate about. So I'm just going to use sports, for example. Mm -hmm. So say we have an athlete, they played varsity soccer for four years. They have a love of the sport. They want to play um, soccer in college. It would be great to take this thing that they love, right? And do something that benefits others, not just themselves. Mm -hmm. So an example with soccer would be to um, initiate putting on an inner city soccer camp for children. Mm -hmm. So the process of learning what I need to do to get that to happen, right? Volunteers, you need to get people to sponsor it. You need to get people to potentially donate money so that you can create Mm t-shirts, right? And it's that one student's idea that comes to fruition takes a lot of time and effort to put it on, but is so worthwhile because of the fact that they are learning about themselves. They're learning about what their professional capital. Yeah. Professional capital simply means, and this is true for any career, whether you're a teacher, doctor, engineer, if you are going to learn how to be better at something, and I'm talking a professional student at this Mm -hmm. example, but (laughs) that professional capital, capital because it's valuable, is made up of three different things. It's made up of their human capital, their social capital, and their decisional capital. So human capital means when that student is learning about themselves, any skills that they learn, any books, any courses, any self-care, anything about taking care of themselves um, is developing their human capital. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for my children, it was learning how to get over the fear of making a phone call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's very real. Well, for kids. That, that, that was really, Somebody they don't know. I mean, but, that uh, was truly it. He had to generate yeah. guests for his podcast. Right. Absolutely. And you know? those things are just little things to conquer, but yeah. then the, the social capital is, um, involvement with others. It's partly the iron sharpening iron. It's partly teamwork. It's, it's getting volunteers to buy into your vision um, and come on board and help support. So that social capital is just any involvement with others. Okay. And then the decisional capital um, just means that they are going to be making lots of decisions and they need to know in advance, some are going to be good and some are going to be bad. You learn from the bad ones, right? (laughs) Knowing in advance that this is like a muscle, you need to practice it. So the more decisions you make, the more confident you're going to be moving forward. Yes. It, it, it gives the students that freedom of knowing in advance. Yeah, some will be right. Some will be wrong. Right. Yeah. But um, just there's so many decisions to be made when it yeah. comes to putting on a passion project. But again, the whole idea is not just a checklist to go, oh, did a passion project. Yeah. Um, check it off my list. Mm-hmm. No, it's so that the student can learn about themselves mm-hmm. right through the process. Maybe they're into bioengineering, right? And maybe their passion project is going to be touching base with a professor at a college and maybe doing an internship in advance and maybe publishing the results in their community paper, right? There's not yeah. one size fits all. It may be yep. maybe they're involved in robotics. They love robotics and they want to, to showcase 
um, and robotics and how to build a robot to elementary students for the sole desire to encourage them to go into STEM careers. Mm-hmm. So I think that it just opens up a world of possibilities for the student to learn about themselves, mm-hmm. but it also gives them something to write about in their college entrance. Mm-hmm. Essays. Right. It gives them something to talk about. Yeah. Um, and their scholarship interviews, right? Yeah. That, you know, not just personally about themselves and what they want to do yeah. in their life how they've turned around and benefited society. It's so good. And that, that is that stand apart thing, right? right? It is their idea. It's their, they're going after it. They're finding out that human thing, right? Cause at the end of the day, that's really what it comes down to is conquering all these little fears. And some of, you know, we hear it a lot is so many moms tell us and dads tell us that their, their high schoolers don't know what they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. They're not sure. Okay. And you know, so I love that. That is so good. I think it's important to give themselves time to, to think, think it through to decide what they want to spend, you know, a couple months putting on and um, make sure that it's in line with what they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because do you find that the students that you work with, do you find that some of them, you know, oftentimes it's a family, you know, the, the family, maybe the parents are alumni from this certain college and, you know, the kids aren't even that invested, but it's kind of being pushed by the parent. Mm. You know, do you find that? And is that a hard thing then? Can you see that in the student? Sometimes. Um, I think what I've seen more often is when uh, a student finds out what their parents' SAT score was. Yeah. <laughs> I oh my gosh. knew that um, their mom got a perfect score on the SAT. I so wish that student didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what, what purpose does that serve? That doesn't serve I any purpose. I don't know. It, yeah, that's true. It put a lot of pressure, but it was self-imposed pressure. He was putting the pressure on himself, but mm-hmm. I see that type of thing um, more often than, you know, being pushed into a particular school. Mm. And I do recommend students start to visit the school's you know, maybe sophomore, junior year that are on their short list because it's just way too many schools to go visit mm-hmm. senior year, right? And it's a, little yes. late, it's a little late senior year because a lot of times they need to apply in August or September, especially if they're going to be applying to those honors programs. So you really need to have already visited the schools and narrowed it down junior year. Yeah, sure. What do you say to the parents who, uh, you know, in their height, a lot of people are, you know, they'll say, well, how do we fit in all of this studying and test prep alongside the um, credits that Billy still needs? You know, how right, do they everything do else? Right. right. <laughs> what would you speak to that? You, they need to work it in. So yeah. up early, stay late. It just me. I think if they know in advance mm-hmm. that that 10 month window of January of sophomore year through October of junior year is the test prep window. Yeah. Then they can plan for it, right? Yep. They can mm-hmm. potentially maybe have one less class that spring semester um, sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is important <laughs> to yeah. make sure that they are putting in the time. And that um, sadly, a lot of students think that all they need to do is jump on um, to do four to six practice tests, mm-hmm. and <laughs> jump on Khan Academy a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but sadly, that's not true. That's right. not enough. And uh, as an educator, I do respect Khan Academy, the whole free education for the world. I respect mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But there 
there's no support. So there's, there's no chat box. There's no phone support. There's no email support. And a lot of times there's a disconnect between the actual math problem and the video clip. Sure. That disconnect causes frustration. Mm -hmm. And I, um, as an, as an educator, I know the importance of questions of clarification. Mm -hmm. So questions of clarification really help a student move along to, I think I got it. I sort of got it. They are confirmed. They understand concept. Mm -hmm. And we know for sure, because there was a study done in Florida that the four to six practice tests is not enough. And the reason I know that is because that is what most students do in the state of Florida. And we only have 15% of students that are making that bright futures scholarship. Mm -hmm. So what we know from that is that 85 out of hundred students aren't Mm -hmm. scoring that high. Yeah. So, um, what I have done, I actually did an educational research project on this last year in grad school, which was how much time does it take for students to raise their scores significantly on mm-hmm. these tests? And the truth is they need to flush through these practice tests 20 times. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that's a lot. It is a lot, but it also works. If you want to take a student who's scoring around national average or below and raise scores significantly to potentially scoring in the top five to 10% in the nation, it's going to take some time. Yeah. And again, it's not like voice lessons. You don't go one, you know, it's it, exactly. It That's you right. You, you don't go to voice lessons one time and then sing amazingly well. Right? That's right. Exactly. <laughs> so just, mm-hmm. and because there's such a wide, diverse amount of skills that are covered Mm -hmm. and there's so many different sections. So if we're coaching the ACT, I'm coaching the reading comprehension, writing language, the math Mm -hmm. and the science. And with the SAT and the CLT, it is that reading comprehension, writing and language and the math. Mm -hmm. So three different sections. And so I do believe that it's important for students to over practice a little bit so that they can be confident in themselves. And I don't recommend copycat curriculum. And there's no reason to buy a homeschool test prep curriculum. <laughs> if you yeah. buy a homeschool curriculum, they wrote it, right? So if you yeah. walk into Barnes and Noble and you see the plethora of copycat mm. curriculums like Barron's and Princeton yeah. and Catholic, yeah. what we need to know is that when they're writing their practice tests, they're, they're saying, oh, how would College Board word this systems of equations problem? Mm-hmm. How would they word this difference of squares problem, right? I just think that that's ridiculous because of the fact that it's just not needed. The College Board put 10 free practice tests online. You can just Google SAT practice test five, and it comes up in a PDF format. Mm-hmm. So I coach through students through those 10 free practice tests. Mm-hmm. Um, and then past that, I use QAS tests. So mm-hmm. um, they have legally, ACT and SAT are required to release their test questions. Mm-hmm. So College Board releases their test questions three times a year, March, May, and October. Mm-hmm. And what that means um, for the homeschool parent out there is to know if you're just arbitrarily picking a month for your student to take the SAT, you know, just to get a raw score or a baseline, right? I mm-hmm. highly recommend March, May, and October mm-hmm. because of the fact that after they take the test, of course, when they get their scores back, they are able to go into their dashboard and actually see the test questions. Mm-hmm. And if they took the test in June, <laughs> 
they can't <laughs> because right. there's test questions to yeah. see. So it's very valuable to see the test questions because on the problems that they got wrong, they can identify, oh, I need to work on that skill. I really do need to know how to use the quadratic formula. Mm-hmm. I really do need to know how to set up the inequality. I really do need to understand isolation of a variable. Yeah. And what I help st- students do is be able to look at each and every question, whether it's the writing and language and it's testing the English grammar skills, right? Comma splice. This is yeah. verb tense, right? Yeah. Or the math, which tends to be the hardest, whether mm-hmm. it's a homeschool student, private school or public school, most students need help the most on the math. Yes. It doesn't matter if they're a straight A student in math class. Mine were too. Yeah. <laughs> It takes a lot of time and effort, right? So what I normally do is take students through those 10 free practice tests, practice one through 10. Mm-hmm. Then we jump to those QAS tests. That's the ones that are released March, May, and October. The QAS refers to the question and answer service, mm-hmm. and it costs $18. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely worth paying the $18 to get that. Yes. But um, I recommend, you know, that they potentially jump to, uh, after the, the 10 free practice tests, Mm -hmm. then I like, I'm, I'm just taught the March, 2022 and it's hot off the press. And the funny thing is a lot of students will think that that's more valuable that March, Mm -hmm. 2022, that was just administered a couple of months ago, that it's more valuable than the October, 2020. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's not, they're both, they're both past real tests. And that's my point. I don't believe in copycat curriculum because those aren't the past real tests. And it's important for families to know, for example, with College Board, practice test one through four were written to be practice tests to cover the skills that they want students to know. Mm -hmm. But practice tests five through 10 are the past real exams, the QAS tests, that they turned into a practice test. Uh, and that is why they are able to access them online for free. Right. So I, you can certainly go buy College Board's study guide, right? Mm-hmm. The big blue book. And that's fine if people want to do that. But usually I recommend just printing off the sections that we're coaching through that night. So we're mm-hmm. either coaching through reading comprehension, writing language, or we're coaching through both of the math sections. Mm-hmm. Print that off, right? And that yeah. it's cool. The kids can have it in the car with them as their moms yeah. the soccer right. or yep. debate, right? Right. So that they can attempt the problems in advance to the class. Wow. That is good advice because I yeah. know, I mean, even at the homeschool conventions, right? Mm-hmm. It's an overwhelming thing anyway, but uh-huh. then there you walk away with all of these, the whole box curriculum basically of test yeah. prep. Yes. Right. yes. And that's the overwhelming part. I've just started attending the homeschool conferences. I went to the Ohio um, Great Homeschool Conference and then yeah. also Florida's FPEA. Yes. A speaker and an exhibitor. So it was really fun. So I'm just nice. Good. We love them. We love great <laughs> homeschool conventions. Yeah. yeah. This is all such, it was really good information because, you know, one of the things that we say to the parents that come into our, our physical location, but also on the podcast is, um, you know, not every child needs to go to four-year college or go to four-year college right out of high school. There's lots of different ways, but what people need to know is that if your student does want to do that, yeah. then there's a process there. It's almost sounds like right. a game to play, but, but, but it is what it is, right? We can't, yep. if you if you want to go to four-year college, you have to play the game, so to speak. And you have some great information about how to help kids do that. So thank you. It is my goal to help students, um, 
be able to turn that dream school into reality. (laughs) Those dream financial aid packages. And it is true that they will be able to get a better financial aid package with Mm -hmm. those better scores. That's really good because some of these uh, kids, I mean, they do, it is a dream. I mean, they have it in their heart. They know what they want. And then they come to this block and the parents are frozen. They don't know which way to go. And so, yeah, what a plethora of information, Leah. It's just been a delight listening to all of this. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, And you guys, here's the thing you heard. Now, the good news is, is you can listen to this episode with Leah. Get out you know, type it in your phone, get out an old fashioned notebook and a pencil, write this stuff down. Because um, when your passionate child wants to go to college because they have a passion in them to learn something and to be something, they have a calling. It's going to be very critical that you have a plan for them. It's your duty. And so I would say um, there's so much information just and you're able, don't be afraid. And visit Leah's website. We will link yeah. that in the, in the notes because I, over the last nine years, I've, Leah, I've talked to a lot of test prep companies because I've got my roadmap project where I, I reached out to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're the most logical person on this that I've talked to in nine years. Yeah. <laughs> That's so sweet. That is so sweet. That means a lot to me. And you know what, if it's all right with you, can um, I would love to just briefly address the fixed in the mindset versus the growth mindset. Yes, do it very quickly because I have seen so many students that put themselves in a box. So a fixed mindset is simply a limiting belief. It is a lie Mm. that they tell themselves, oh, oh, I could never do that. I could never fill in the blank anything hard. I could never be a brain surgeon. I could never be a astrophysicist, right? So they believe believe in that lie affects a lot of their life choices, or I could never conquer SAT math, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the truth of the growth mindset is so liberating. And it is, mm-hmm. it's important for a student to realize that the growth mindset simply means I can learn anything. I love it. Information point. And that is my, that is my why I do what I do. That mm-hmm. is my passion to communicate that message to every single student because the fixed mindset simply means that they don't have those skills now. That student student is not able to perform brain surgery now. And right. They can't imagine what life would be like to have those skills, right? But they can learn it, right? That's and right. That, that message, no matter what the it is, that's right. Some student, it may take more time. Right. Then others, they may need better materials and better curriculum. They may need better study skills. Yeah. They need tutors or they may need a kind teacher that encourages questions of clarification. But at the end of the day, whatever the it is, they want to learn or they want to be in their life. Mm. They can do it. It's so good, Leah. That is such truth. And I would definitely say for myself speaking, Long before I homeschooled my children, and, and like I said before, this classical model, the trivium, the trivium set me free. It set me free because there's sometimes no way, right? This is where this limiting belief comes. It's, it's impossible. Just because you don't know something about a certain subject doesn't mean that you're dumb. You can never learn. You know, you can never learn. It's just that you look at maybe it's the grammar. You're missing the grammar. And they've moved you on somewhere else. And so it sets you free because the truth is, it is that mindset. 
Mm-hmm. You know, when you believe that you can do something and you have the resources to do it. And sometimes even with this homeschool thing, um, moms and dads have that mindset that they're not able. And if their kiddos want to become, let's say, um, a, a brain surgeon, the parents, are, because of their limited mindset, are just stunting that. And the child gets that fear. The child gets that in them. But it's it's a passion. When you have a passion in you, you can learn any single thing that you have a desire to learn. Right. And you're not on the same. You're, it's not a race. It may That's take right. time than somebody else. Right. But yeah. if a student desires to learn it, they can. That's the yes. main message. And I, I'm having to like communicate that same message to myself. I'm, I'm again in grad school. And last year I was in a constitutional law class mm-hmm. and before class started, the pre-class work was to write 101 legal briefs. <laughs> I felt died. I started. I, oh my I, don't write legal brief. I don't speak legalese. And it was wow. nervous about it. And I muddled through one. I read the entire court case, did a synopsis of it made the decision of why the Supreme Court made that decision, what constitutional amendment they upheld. I sent that one to my professor and he said, yes, good to go. Now do 100 more. Wow. <laughs> so I did it. tell myself that, um, yeah, growth mindset. It, it's, yeah. it's true. And we all need that reminder that no matter what the it is, that yeah. we can learn it. Yeah, it's so true. I, I mean, even the very first time that I had to speak for a practicum, for classical conversations. And, and it was about, um, rhetoric, the art of rhetoric. And I remember all of the books. I mean, they don't tell you what to say. It's just, this is the, the layout for you. Here are all the books we want you to read. And then you'll put it together. However. And I remember thinking, how will I do this? How is this going to be a thing? And I told my husband, I'm so of all the, I'm not afraid of the moms. It's the business. It's the bow tie wearers in the back. (laughs) Those men I'm afraid. And my husband said, here's the thing it's always about being just one step ahead, right? That is just one step ahead. Not every human. I mean, nobody knows all of the information about every single thing, but it's the attitude. It's the attitude. Right. Absolutely. Leah. Amazing. I loved every single thing that you said. And like I said, moms, dads, get your pens, get your pencils, get your paper and just write it down. And just know that God has called you to it. And so for sure, he will see you through it. Thanks for listening. 